Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Yeah, God, God is using you. Way to go, church. It's just amazing to see what he's doing when we simply step out and follow Jesus. And uh, those two stories are just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what God's doing through your faithfulness. So way to go, church. Hey, uh, let's give a shout out to our Fishers location. It's about a month old. Can we just welcome over in Fishers? And... Uh, Avon uh, continues to grow. Thank you, each of you serving there at Avon. It's amazing to see what God's doing. Something I want to celebrate as a movement. We're almost at the end of January here, the first month of the year already. In January, you guys have brought to Christ 51 new believers who've not only prayed to receive Christ, but have expressed their faith through baptism. 51 in less than 30 days. Can we just celebrate that? It is to God be the glory. Uh, If you're new around here, you will uh, get this memorized in a little while because I say it all the time. In our church, Christ is the head of our church. It's not about a person or who's on stage. It's about Jesus. His word, the Bible, is our guide for everything we do and believe. And his spirit, the very spirit of God who comes to live inside followers of Jesus, that's the power source for these miraculous things that we see God doing. Well, we are wrapping up today this series called Start Fresh. It's about the new year. And today's really the message that at first I had planned for the start of this series. But as I've been praying for you, praying week by week, uh, God just put some other things on my heart. In the last couple weeks, if you weren't here, we've learned some of the proper names of God from the Old Testament, that he's the God who provides. Last week, we learned he's the God who heals. And this week, we're really in the message that is sort of like that New Year's message that sets the tone for the next 11 months of your year. And I actually think the timing is really good because I don't know about you, but for me, you know, right after New Year's, there's all this kind of excitement. It's a new year. We're still in holiday mode. Now, by the end of January, for all of us here in Indiana, it's more like seasonal depression. We're just living through this like murky winter, not wonderland. And I really believe today's message is from God for you to set the tone over the next 11 months over your new year. We're picking up on a text we've been going through, the people of God, the Israelites in the Old Testament. This is before God came to earth in the person of Jesus. So things are a little different, but it's the same God with the same nature. He had led them out of slavery, miraculously set them free from Egypt where they had been slaves. And that's a picture of how God sets us free from the slavery of sin when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Then he used a leader to miraculously part the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. And that's a picture of when we believe in Jesus and then we're baptized, we go through that water. It's the work of Jesus that saves us, but it is an act of obedience to start following God in our lives. Well, these people get into the desert, and after three days, they're thirsty. They don't have water. They see a spring of water. They get excited, but the water is bitter. And last week, we learned how God can take the bitter things in our lives and turn them sweet. This is where we pick up. It says, after leaving Mara, that's the Hebrew word for bitter, the Israelites traveled on to an oasis. So they go from a a bitter season where God does a miracle to a pretty easy season. And then it continues in chapter 16, the whole community of Israel sets out. They're moving their way through this wilderness. Verse two, at this point, it's been 45 days, a month and a half, since they were delivered from slavery. And it's good that they're not slaves, but guess what? They don't have food. They get hungry. In fact, if you've ever heard the term hangry, this applies to them, hungry angry. Look at verse 3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. We're so hungry it would have been better if we had been killed 
they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat, and we ate all the bread we wanted. Now, there's a lesson in here. When you set out to follow God, Jesus' path is an abundant life. It promises peace and joy, but it is not a promise that you won't ever go through difficulty. And when you start to follow God, there's this tendency we have to look back at our old life and think, man, maybe it wasn't that bad when I was in slavery. I mean, this is kind of ironic. 45 days ago, they literally were being whipped. They were carrying bricks under the Egyptian sun. If Pharaoh said you can't have baby boys, the soldiers would come through and kill the baby boys. That happened more than once. Their life was terrible. But now, 45 days later, they're so hungry that they're feeling a little sentimental about the old life. And this can happen to us. This can happen to us when we forget how empty a life of sin and a life apart from God was. Well, it's interesting how God responds both of these times that the people complain. He doesn't scold them. Uh, the Lord, your God, the one true God, he's full of compassion. He's patient. He's a provider. And even though they're complaining and they're really not handling their hunger in the most mature way, God says, I'm going to provide food. Here's what he says to Moses and through Moses. God says, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. There's a kid's movie about this called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. But this is different. This was earlier. This one came first. And God says, I'm going to kind of provide this miraculous Willy Wonka food on the ground. Every day, the people should go out and pick it up off the ground, take as much as they need for that day. And then God says, I'm going to test them in this. Now, if you weren't here last week or as a refresher, once you place your faith in Jesus, there are stair steps in your growth of your relationship with God. God wants you to pass certain tests of your faith. You passing this test or failing this test is not what saves you. It's Jesus' work on the cross that saves you. But as you pass each subsequent test and you grow in your faith, your relationship with God strengthens and you experience him more. And so what God is saying is, I want these people to understand I will always be there and I will always provide for them. And so the way God sets it up is essentially this. Every morning the people wake, out, there's, wake up, there's this thin white film on the ground and, and they crack it and they pick it up and they start to eat it and it tastes good. It's like this edible food and it's good and they can bake with it, they can do all these things. But God says, here's how the test works. Every day, wake up, go out and get enough food for you and your family, but don't stockpile it in your tent. If you stockpile it, you'll wake up the next morning and it'll be full of maggots. So you just have to trust that the same God who provided food for you today, he's going to provide food for you again tomorrow. It's a step of faith. And they begin to pass this test. Of course, a few of them stockpile, but they learn pretty quickly, no sense in stockpiling. God will provide every day. They walk with God. They're experiencing God. And then they get attacked. We're going to look at a text where as their faith is growing, now this uh, tribe of Amalek comes and attacks them. But before we look at that, I just want to ask you in your life, where are you facing a battle right now? Or where do you have a hunger for relationship, for healing, for fulfillment, for financial stability, for a, a career that you don't hate. You have a hunger, and just like the Israelites, part of what God's going to do in your life this year is you're going to learn to look to him to provide one day at a time to feed you. And not just literally, but in your fulfillment. Where do you need God to feed you, and where are you facing a battle. As we wrap up this January series, the reality is that in the next 11 months, we'll all face battles that we can't even anticipate. Just within the last week, just within my close friend group, I have a friend whose blood test came back that he most likely has cancer. And so yesterday morning for him was a very uncomfortable MRI. He'll find out the results on Monday. I have a friend who's a really high capacity, high achieving person 
who's going through paralyzing anxiety kind of out of the blue. I have friends who are going through relational loss, broken marriages, estranged children. We're all facing battles right now, and in these next 11 months, there will be additional battles that we don't even know about today. So where you're facing a battle or where you have a hunger, how can you see a victory in that battle? Or how can you see God provide for that hunger? That's what we're learning in the Word of God today, continuing in Exodus 17, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim. So time has passed. They've learned to walk with God one day at a time. They've learned that they don't have to panic when they go to bed at night, that there's no food in the pantry, because every day God provides food. Their faith is growing, and now they get attacked by this kind of pillaging, violent, nomadic group called the Amalekites. Moses commands Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight this army that has attacked us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of a hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, the, just to put this battle in context, there are a lot more Israelites than there are Amalekites, but the Amalekites are trained, seasoned warriors. This is what they do every day. The Israelites are just escaped out of slavery. Rudimentary weapons, they don't have any kind of trained fighting force. So Joshua does what Moses says in verse 10. He commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, who's the spiritual leader for this group, he and his two right-hand people, they climb up on the top of a nearby hill. And it says, as long as Moses held up the staff, there's a whole, this staff has been a symbol. But as long as Moses holds it up in prayer over the people of God, the Israelites would be prevailing. But whenever he dropped his hand, the advantage would go to the bad guys, essentially. Now, at our first service, I called up a volunteer, and I gave him a staff. Because here's the reality. The deltoid muscles, even if you're pretty strong, they're one of the weakest muscle groups of the body. And, and actually holding up a wooden staff, it only takes about three, four minutes for your arm to get tired. So then you switch to the other, and then you use two arms, and then your arms are shaking, and this is what happens. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold up this staff. And I just love this symbol. These two right-hand people who are with him, Aaron and her, first of all, they kind of get a seat for him to sit down. And then they actually come up alongside Moses and they brace his arms to hold up this staff, which is really the symbol of saying, Israel is fighting under the authority and the power of God. Israel is not fighting in its own strength. It's a symbol of prayer. And thanks to those two friends, his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek. Amalek, by the way, is a symbol. This group keeps appearing in the Old Testament. It's a symbol of our flesh, our fallen nature. Guess what the word Joshua is? It's Yeshua or Jesus. And so Jesus is the one who wins your battle against the flesh as you do your best to pray and call out to God and make him the banner over your life. In fact, after they win this battle, Moses builds an altar and names it Yahweh Nisi, or some people pronounce Yahweh Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Uh, armies at this time, they would have a flag. And essentially what Moses is teaching the people of God is make the one true God, your flag. Make him the banner over your life. Make him what defines you. And so we find the answer to this question, how can you see God bring victory in the battles that you're facing and in the battles you will face this upcoming year? Here's how. Make this a year of prayer. Be like Moses. Like what if you prayed so much that, you know, metaphorically your arms trembled because you were praying so much? And what if you prayed so diligently that you get two or three months in and you're discouraged and you actually have to go to two of your closest spiritual friends and say, hey, would you hold my hands up in prayer because I had faith, but I don't have it now. Would you pray with me? I want to see God move in my family. I want to see him move in my heart. I want to see him change me. I want to see him change the world. Make this a year where you say the Lord, 
the one true God, Yahweh Nisi. He will be the banner over my life this year, the banner over my family, the banner over my career. This is a year of prayer in which I submit everything to God. Now, what's fascinating about this story is of about a million Israelites, Moses was the only one who had this unique blessing, this unique power of God to pray like this. Maybe you're listening and you're thinking, John, this is interesting. I'm intrigued, but I'm no Moses. I'm not spiritual. I'm not a leader. Here's the beauty of the era in which we live through the work of Jesus on the cross. Once you call out to Jesus to be your savior, and if you've never done that, you can do that today. You don't have to pay money to a church. You don't have to do good deeds to try to earn your way to heaven. That doesn't work. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. You proclaim that he's God and you want him to be the God of your life. You repent. That means you say, God, forgive my sins. Jesus, be my savior. And you receive the free gift of salvation. In that moment, the spirit of God comes to live inside you. Now, it is just like a toddler learning to walk. Learning to walk in the spirit takes time. That's why you've got a group here, a big team to help you learn how to do that. But as you learn to walk in the spirit, here's the reality. The same hand of God that was upon Moses is now upon you. And I'm convinced that the vast majority of Christians, at least here in America, we don't really understand how much spiritual power is available to us through the work of Jesus. How much we can claim the authority of God in our marriages, in our homes, in our hearts, in our habits, in our lives. James 5 verse 16 says this, the prayer of a righteous person. If you've believed in Jesus, you've been made right with God. You are a righteous person. And when you sin, you just confess it to God. You're righteous in his sight. Your prayers, God says, will be powerful. It's the Greek word dunamis from where we get our word dynamite. Your prayers can explode things. Your prayers can affect things. A lot of us, you know, we're almost like some person who had the ability to play in the NFL or in the NBA, but never really practiced, never really got on a team and had the genetics and could have done it, but they never applied themselves. I believe this is the case for most of us in our prayer lives. Now, on this very weekend, one year ago, we talked about prayer in a really challenging way. God was growing my faith. And this is the verse I shared with you. It was my theme verse for the year of 2023. Jesus is in the context in John 15 of saying, I'm like a grapevine and you are like a branch on the grapevine. All the good things I want to do through you are like grapes. They're fruit in your life. But those good things that will happen in your marriage, in your career, in your thought life, eternal things I want to do through you, they don't actually happen by you straining and striving. They happen by you abiding or remaining connected to me. Don't let anything come between you and me. And when something does, uh, get right back with me and make it right. And in that context, Jesus says, as you abide in me or remain, and my words abide in your mind, starts to change the way you think. Then Jesus makes a crazy promise. He says, ask whatever you wish. Now, as you abide in Jesus and his word abides in you, what you wish for will actually start to change in some ways. It'll still be about your basic needs, but it'll also start to become beyond you and bigger than you. If you want to, you can look that message up from a year ago this weekend. It's one that changed my year of 2023 for the better. And I know for many of you, many of you have shared with me the same thing. The power was not that specific sermon, but the principles of John chapter 15 and a life of bold prayer as a follower of Jesus. Uh, here's three stories from you all, from your brothers and sisters in this church family, of how God used the power of that verse in the last year to affect actual change in lives. Uh, here's the handout, a picture of it. This is from a sister in our church who emailed in to tell us her story. And you can see how she's filled it out there. And then this is uh, her bathroom vanity. So every time she was there at the sink, brushing her teeth or putting on her makeup, 
she would look over these. Am I abiding in you, Jesus? Is your word abiding in me? And then here's the things I'm asking for. Now, her big ask starting one year ago this weekend was that God would do a miracle in her husband's career. Her husband has a really high capacity job. It's a very specialized job. And there's really only one outfit here in Indianapolis where he could work. But the way it worked is that he was on call 24-7, 365 days a year. Any moment could be the middle of their kid's birthday party, could be the middle of Sunday church, could be a Christmas Eve service. Boom, he gets a call or a text message. He has to go do this specialized skill. As a result, it was wearing on their marriage, she shares. It was wearing on their family. It was wearing on his health. And so the big miracle that she said, I'm going to ask God for a better job for my husband. And even though that would be impossible in the Indianapolis metro area, I'm just going to ask for that. And she did. And with this prayer list by her bathroom sink every day, Jesus, I want to remain in you today. Help me walk with you. I want your word to remain in me. And would you do these miracles in the life of my husband and in the lives of my kids? Well, the company decided to change up its structure. And bottom line, her husband was offered a different position in the same company where he now has a fixed schedule. He can actually work from home. His salary is the same. And he's working about half as many hours and she wanted to write in and just give God the, the credit and the glory for this change. And that the change has not only helped their marriage, but now he's able to be at church. She writes that in the fall, he started attending a men's small group here. And now he's actually leading a men's small group. And she wanted to write to just encourage all of you that when you pray specific prayers and when you remain in Christ, we don't get to pick the timing. We don't always get to pick how God does it, but he does answer Prayer. Can we just celebrate that God does answer prayer? This next one is really short. It's one sentence, but there's a picture that accompanies it. I love it. This brother writes, he says, I prayed for my brother Keith, who was not a believer, to find abundant life and new identity in Christ. And there's his brother Keith surrendering his life to Christ. I just love how God answers specific prayers. Yeah, someone... Here, you know, you've got someone in your life. Mel and I, we had a relative that we prayed for for about 11 years who was, you know, kind of atheist, agnostic. And uh, don't give up. Don't give up. Maybe that story is just to remind you that uh, wayward child or that relative or that loved one or that coworker who you really care about, but it's just like they will never come to God. Keep praying. Keep praying. I'll share one more here from our church family. Uh, here's a picture of the handout. I'm going to read this one. A sister writes and she says, I asked God to transform and strengthen our marriage, our spirits, and our attitudes. I asked also that he would make us parents and help us not give up waiting. She says, we had been trying for two and a half years to become parents. I love this because she sent this in a week ago. She said, we are now a week away from our due date for our baby girl. And you can see the sonogram or the ultrasound there in the picture. And this, uh, this didn't even occur to me the first time I, I taught this message. But this morning I was praying for you guys and I realized, okay, it was this weekend a year ago. Last week she wrote and said our due date's in a week. In other words, exactly a year after she started praying for this, She's going to be giving birth or going to be welcoming her daughter into the world. It's incredible how God works. She adds this, I've also seen God bring us closer together as husband and wife, each closer to him and a next level of love for one another during this past year and our pregnancy. I cannot thank God enough. So to God be the glory. Again, John 15, verse 7, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, does this mean we always get whatever we want on our own time frame? I think I've already suggested that's not the case. I have some things from last January that I've been praying for with bold faith that haven't happened yet. In fact, recently, I was kind of complaining to God about this. I said, well, Lord, you were growing my faith, and I gave this message, and, you know, I've seen you do miracles, but there's these other things you haven't done. And you know what he kind of reminded me of? He's, 
John, is there a verse in the Bible where I ever promise that I'll do it within a calendar year? Well, no, I just thought that would be cool, you know. <laughs> he's God, he's sovereign. He does his work on his time and in his ways, and sometimes it looks a little different than we thought. You know, the, that bread that would be on the ground in the morning, which is called manna, the Hebrew word for manna literally means, what is it? So that first morning that God miraculously provided, a million people walk out and here's food, but they say, what is it? We've never seen food like this. We've never eaten food like this. And when God answers our prayers, it's not always exactly how we want or when we want, but it will be for our best and it will be for his glory. Now, a year ago this weekend, preaching on John 15, 7, I was all amped up. God was just growing my faith about prayer. And after the third time preaching John 15, 7 and asking each of you in each service, what's the one big thing you would ask God to do? I was leaving my office and there's this poster on my way out of the office. It says, as we keep Christ the head of the church, we expect God to open impossibly big doors. And I shared in that message a year ago, you can look it up, that for nine years I had been praying for the people of Hamilton County. Even before I knew about Hendricks County, sorry, I had been visiting Indiana from Arizona, and that, that has been on my heart for nine years. And so really, uh, you know, dwelling on this promise of John 15, 7, as I was leaving the office that day, this weekend a year ago, I grabbed a piece of paper, I grabbed a Sharpie, and said, God, here's my impossibly big, ridiculous prayer. I'm praying for two buildings that we can fill up with people, that you can fill up with people, that where we can have healthy churches in, in Hamilton County. I'm praying for two buildings in one year with zero new debt. In other words, we didn't have like millions of dollars to go buy buildings, and we weren't going to take out a loan to do buildings. And so it was like, God, this is going to have to be a miracle. Now, in my mind, I was thinking one of those buildings would be for our Avon location, and one would be for Hamilton County. Uh, here's a close-up of that, or maybe you've seen it. Two buildings, one year, zero new debt. If you know much about commercial real estate, this is a stupidly ridiculous prayer. If you know, I mean, imagine someone giving you a house. Now, multiply the value of an average house times about 20. That's what one of these two buildings would cost if you were just to go, how, are, how is God just going to give that to us? I don't know. But he said, if you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. So I wrote that down. I stuck it up there with scotch tape. And uh, you know what happened four months later? This building on the left, which is on Keystone Avenue in Carmel, um, through a lot of prayer, the 20 people who were at that church, small in number but mighty in faith, said, we want to partner with you, Connection Point, and we want to entrust this building to you all to use for Jesus on the main corridor of Carmel uh, where we could never afford to buy something. Can we just say God's a God who he does answer prayers? And I want to encourage you, you know, pray for your needs and for your family, but also pray beyond yourself. Pray things that are bigger than you. Now, here's the irony. That was in May. Uh, and then you all stepped up to raise the money to remodel that building, which is under renovations right now. And we started to have people there in Hamilton County say, hey, we want to start meeting. We like Connection Point, but where are you guys meeting? Well, it's going to take a year to remodel the building. August, we get a text message from a church in Fishers that we had been working with, thinking maybe in 2025 we go to Fishers. This church reaches out and says, we think we're ready to partner with you guys, like, now. <laughs> this was August. And so sure enough, we go, we explain, here's what a partnership would look like. They vote, and of their 20 people, a unanimous vote to say, we want to partner with Connection Point and entrust Connection Point to utilize this building on a corner real estate near Topgolf and Ikea in Fishers to bring people to Jesus. Two buildings, one year, zero new debt. Now, it, it, <laughs> apparently, you know, I thought one would be in Avon. God had a bigger plan. What's great is it hasn't slowed Avon down. They're still meeting in a middle school, but they're still rapidly growing. Now, it's one of my prayers for this year that God will provide a location for Avon. But I just have to tell you, though there are some prayers that I haven't yet seen answered, those, that prayer <laughs> has so strengthened my faith about really taking Jesus up on this offer Abide in him. Have his word abide in you. A lot of you are already doing that part. Now pray bold prayers 
for your kids. Pray bold prayers for the next generation. This week last year when I shared this with you all, I said, here's one of my bold prayers, that God would capture the hearts of our young people and that our teenagers and our college students would just be on fire for the Lord. And you know what? We have seen in the last year multiple of our young people be baptized, represent Jesus at their college campuses. We have a a young woman who went on a mission trip last April, and now she's on the mission field uh, in a really dangerous Muslim country because of God just answering our prayers that he would activate the next generation to love Jesus, to know his freedom. He is answering our prayers. And I just want to encourage you, what if this year you made it a year of prayer, a year of the Lord is my banner? And I also want to encourage you with this. This doesn't mean you have to pray for an hour every day. Now, good for you if you can. It doesn't even mean you have to pray for 30 minutes every day. Take your handout that you'll fill out in our time together here, and then post it at that bathroom sink or somewhere you'll see it every day. And I think it's a lot more about consistency than a super long amount of time. Now, as you grow in Christ, you'll start to talk to him throughout the day, et cetera. Maybe it all does add up to an hour. But don't worry about, you know, it being a religious thing or a performance. It's more just these daily check-ins. Jesus, am I abiding in you? Uh, Am I active in your body? Is there anything between us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was that thing. Will you forgive me for that? I want to get right with you. I need your word in my mind, Lord. Boy, it's been a while since I've read the Bible. You know, uh, should I listen to worship music today? Should I open my Bible? Is there a tool? I want your word to abide in me. And then, Lord, here's what I'd ask for my marriage. Here's what I'd ask for my kids. Here's what I'd ask for your kingdom come and your will to be done. In Christ, you have the same prayer blessing and access to spiritual power that Moses had. You have the exact same power available to you. But think about this. Even Moses had to raise his hands up, and when he let them down, it stopped, right? In other words, you make an effort to be connecting with God. You have to hold your hands up in prayer. I don't mean this literally. You're welcome to hold your hands up in prayer literally, but I do mean this as a metaphor, that Moses, his shoulders shook, and there will be a time. I mean, today probably you'll get amped up, you'll get excited, but it might be two, three months from now that you just think, why was I even praying for that? the restoration of my health or that relationship or this person coming to Jesus, it's so impossible. John got me all worked up in January, but it's March and there's, there's no way. And when that happens, be like Moses in saying, I'm just gonna pray through my fatigue. I don't feel it, but I choose to believe that the same God who worked through Moses wants to work in and through my life because of the power of Jesus in me. And if you don't yet have two Christian friends who you can reach out to in those times, let us know. Go out to our Next Steps wall, or if you're online, talk to the online host, because God's pattern is for you to be in relationship with other believers, and a big part of that. I mean, just last night, I was on the phone with a pastor out in Arizona, where we pray together on Saturday night for both of our churches on Sunday morning. I need that. I need people who I can share with and say, here's where my arms are shaking. Here's where my faith is shaking. Here's where I know God's going to work, but my emotions are not there and I'm discouraged. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? Would you hold up my hands in prayer? This is, this is how God does it. So he works, but you have to activate what he wants to do through you. Jesus promises you the same power as Moses. Think about that. But you do have to kind of pick up the keys. You have to activate it. So how do you activate it? A very simple. You can take a picture of this with your phone. It's John 15, 7. You remain in Christ as a lifestyle. This doesn't mean you li- that you're perfect and you never sin. But when you sin, you get it right with God. You get back up off the ground. Second, you start to get his word into your mind daily. And then third, you ask. And you ask specifically. You ask consistently. So that handout on your seat, if you want to grab it, I'm going to kind of walk you through this. If you're online, you can get this handout at cp.news. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach very quickly on each of those three areas. When I teach, if you want to take notes, you can do so on the back, and then we'll flip it over, and I'll give you some ideas for filling in each of those three areas. If I move really quickly, don't panic, because at the end of the message, we'll have a time where you can sit for about five minutes and fill in these three areas, okay? So don't, don't panic if I'm moving too fast, all right? First, remain in Christ as a lifestyle. What does this look like? 
What does it look like? Well, you're doing it right now. You chose to move your feet, or if you're online, to move your mind to connect with the people of God. And I would encourage you that the book of Hebrews tells you what God's will is for your life, and it's to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It is God's will for you to be in a Bible-believing, Jesus-centered church, and when you're physically able to gather with other believers, there's something that happens when you gather, whether you're at Avon, Fishers, or here. Now, if you're not physically able, that's why we have our online services, and we have people online all around the country who don't have a church like Connection Point near them, and so that's the next best thing. But make it a commitment to say, I'm going to be in church every week. Unless I'm sick or I'm out of town, I'm going to be in church. And even when I am sick or out of town, I'm going to watch online. And I'm going to gather with God's people. The manna fell on the camp of Israel. If an Israelite said, well, I'm one of God's chosen people, but I'm going to run off and live life on my own, they wouldn't have manna waiting outside their tent every morning. When you're with God's people, there's something that happens. Also, don't forget the emptiness of sin. When you do sin, notice I didn't say if, I said when, because we all do, I do. When we sin, uh, we don't lose our salvation, I don't believe. God loves you unconditionally, and once you call out to Jesus, your righteousness is through him, not through you. However, your sin still has consequences. You can mess your life up, you can mess your relationships up, and when you have ongoing unconfessed sin, it messes up your relationship with your Father in heaven. Uh, here's maybe an easy way to picture this. I have three kids. I love them unconditionally. No matter what they do, I'm going to love them. However, none of them would do this, but imagine if one of them said, Dad, I hate you five times over the course of a month and then punched me in the face, and gave me a bloody nose. Would I still love that child unconditionally? Yes. Would our relationship be a little bit strained? Yes, it would. And this is how sin now works in your life as a follower of Jesus. When you sin, it does strain your relationship with your father. But here's the good news. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This one's worth taking a picture of. This one, if you're like me, you got to memorize because after you sin, the accuser of the brethren, that's Satan, he'll come to you and say, you don't belong in God's family after all. What were you thinking? Why would you think God could use you? And you need promises like this to say, no, that sin was already paid for at the cross. All I've got to do, not run away from God after I sin, run back to him and just say, I'm sorry. I love you. I need you. Be the Lord of my life. Romans 8 says that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is your new identity. That's not a permission slip to just sin, you know, recklessly and not care about it, but it is your identity so that when you sin, it doesn't define you. And the more you know the love of your father, the more you'll run back to him quickly. When you fall down spiritually, just get back up and run back to him. That's part of abiding in him. I do have to share one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I just think it's so funny, but it's true. Proverbs 26 says, as a dog returns to its vomit. Gross, right? Have you ever seen this though? I love dogs, but they do this, right? They'll throw up and they will literally eat their throw up and then they'll throw up again and eat it again. The Bible's not boring. The Bible is not boring. And it says in the same way, a fool will just, they know this thing is destroying their marriage. They know it's destroying their career. They know it's destroying their peace and their mind, but they'll just keep doing it over and over. Apart from Jesus, I am that fool, apart from Jesus. So when you find yourself on a sin cycle, run to God, ask him to confess it. If you're not able to break out of that cycle on your own, find those two friends and we'll help you find them if you don't yet have them. Who can hold up your shoulders and say, hey guys, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray with me for God's victory? Because the victory is there through Jesus. Remember, as Moses holds his hands up, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, is defeating the Amalekites who are a symbol of our flesh, of our carnal nature, our old nature. You have victory through Jesus if you'll keep going to God in prayer. Let me give you something else about abiding in him. In Exodus 17, it said, each household should gather as much as it needs. And then later it says, everyone had just enough. So a big family, they go out, they grab as much manna as they need. 
Over time, I'm sure people learned how to cook with this. They learned how to make different dishes with it. But the, maybe the better analogy in our modern day where what we're so dependent on is the U.S. dollar would be this. You walk out of your house in the morning and there's a wheelbarrow full of cash. And God says, take as much as you need for today. You need an oil change on the car? You need money for a field trip for the kid? You need some food? You've got some utility bills to pay? Take as much as you need today and don't stockpile for tomorrow. But of course, being us, what do we do? We stuff a bunch into a duffel bag. We hide it in our closet. We wake up the next morning. We unzip the duffel bag. Maggots. Turn to maggots overnight. God says, I'm testing you in this because guess what? Go look in the front yard. The wheelbarrow's there again. Just take as much as you need today. And, and what this is, is a lifestyle in which we are more desperate for God himself than for our physical satisfaction. Now, we've talked in this series about the stair steps of faith. Guess what? That, that one's a higher step. You can get there if you ask God to help you get there. What if a year from now, your relationship with God was, was so defining in your life that when you woke up in the morning, instead of thinking, what am I going to eat? You thought, oh, Father, thanks for waking me up. What do you have for me today? And instead of a life driven by physical appetites, it's a life driven by, Father, how am I in relationship with you and walking with you? What are you going to do in me and do through me? And guess what? As you live that way, you won't go hungry. You'll be surprised how every day he's going to give you exactly what you need for the day. Okay, here are some ideas for that first part of your outline. I will remain in Christ as a lifestyle. Let the Spirit of God work in your heart. He may tell you something very, you know, different from what I'm putting up here. These are just ideas to get the wheels turning. And again, you'll have some more time in a little bit. But one, one thing, if you haven't already committed to this, is just say, you know what? I'm going to be a person who's in church every week. Unless I'm out of town or sick, I'm there. Not because I'm earning my salvation, but because I want to be in relationship with God. I want to remain in Christ. I want to abide in him. If you don't yet have those two or three friends who can hold up your arms in prayer, then we can get you into a small group or we can just help you find two or three men or women of God who can be in your life like that. Two or three people is all it takes. And this isn't like, hey, you know, pray for my mother-in-law's cousin's dog. That's, all, that's the only prayer request I have, okay? This is like, I am struggling with this. I need to see God do a miracle. And we're not just going to pray for it for a week and then it's a new prayer request. It's like, we are going to pray for this over and over and over until God does it. And if it takes 15 years or if it takes 15 months, we're just, we're not going to give up. Get your two or three prayer warriors. And, and, and after this service, if you don't have those, uh, text a couple Christian friends who could become those or let us know at our next steps wall or online. Join a serve team is another way you could do this. When you commit to serving the body of Christ, it gets you in the mix regularly and God starts to minister to you and you're remaining in Christ a little more. And of course, obeying when it makes no sense. <laughs> Go, having food fall from heaven and be on the ground and only taking as much as you need for the day, it didn't make sense. But you obey when it doesn't make sense and that keeps you remaining in Christ. Okay, the second is to get God's word into your mind daily. Why do we need to do this? Well, it purifies us. It cleans us. As we change our thinking, our priorities change. And we start to see the sin that we couldn't say no to as really a very empty, shallow thing that we have the power to kind of almost laugh at. Like, wow, I cannot believe I was so enslaved to that. Because you start to get the mind of Christ in you doesn't happen overnight, but it happens through daily doses of the Word of God. And so let's look at that second part on your outline. Here are some ideas for getting God's Word into your mind every day. We've created an app to help you with this. It's in the Android App Store and the Apple App Store, and it's called CP Plus Spiritual Fitness. And every day it'll give you a push notification, and you go through the app, and it's just a very short Bible verse. You pray you apply it to your life, it's a baby step. It's a first start of getting the word of God in your heart, in your mind every day. A similar tool we've created for you is called Daily Hope. This is a text message that gets sent to your phone every morning. Uh, I do a short one to four minute devotional from a Bible verse. And uh, we've got 
uh, about 7,000 people who are using that every day, you can listen to worship music. This is one that for me, you might be surprised to know as a pastor, I don't listen to worship music all the time. I actually listen to lots of normal music. But if I'm driving and I'm like, God, I just don't feel that close to you. I don't feel, then I'll turn on worship music. Now, some of you are more spiritual. You have it on all the time. Good for you. But I want to encourage those of you who are just like, how do I have more check-ins with God? Utilize worship music. It's a great tool. You can listen to our sermons and any Bible-believing, Jesus-centered church. You can listen to their sermons throughout the week to fill your mind with it. And most importantly, reading your own Bible. If you don't yet have a life application study Bible, it's about a $45 study Bible that we will give you for free if you will use it. And we will teach you how to use it so that you can become a self-feeder on the Word of God. Well, some of these tools are available at cp.news. If you just want to take a quick picture of that, you can go to that website later and get a number of those tools. You can get a Bible at our location or online. Just text the word Bible or ask an online host. Okay, third part of your outline is asking consistently and specifically. Verbalize to God. What do you want to see Him do in your marriage? What do you want to see Him do in your career? And I find this to be both a struggle and a growth opportunity when I pray and pray saying, okay, what if God actually does exactly what I asked for? Did I just kind of generically ask for some vague thing that didn't mean much? Or did I say, you know, in my marriage, God, I need you to restore my marriage. And so if, that mean, if there's bitterness in me, anything you need to change in me for my marriage to get better, you have permission. Change anything you need in me. And anything you need to change in my spouse, would you change those things? Like, get specific, and then be consistent. Uh, pick up your sword or staff is from this idea of when they went out to fight the Amalekites. Moses had a role of holding up the staff in prayer. Joshua had a role with a sword. And, and the idea is this. As you're praying for God to provide, take the steps you can take. You're praying for a godly spouse. Well, start to look for them at church, you know? There's a very small percentage chance you might meet them at 1.40 a.m. at a bar, but probably if you're praying for a really godly spouse, you're more likely to meet them at church. So move your feet to church, be the spouse that they would be looking for, and you're going to be a lot more likely to run into them. Uh, and, and this applies in lots of ways. It's actually really interesting, and I don't want this to sound superstitious, but those two church buildings are two where I physically went there on my own parked in the parking lot, got out of my car, and walked around the building and prayed, and kneeled at the front doors and prayed. Um, and I, maybe that's coincidence. I don't know. It was just a physical expression of the faith. But the idea of picking up your sword or your staff is like, how can you physically express your faith, put yourself in the place to receive what God wants to do? Ask with confidence. Keep asking persistently. Make God the banner over your upcoming year. So on that third one, let me give you a few ideas here, and we'll give you extended time in just a moment. But if God would do just one thing in your life this next year, what would you ask him for? What would you ask him to do in your family? Dream big. He's the God of abundance. He's the provider. He can heal hearts. He can do things that nothing else, no one else can do. What would you have him do in your physical health? What would you have him do in your emotional health? What would you have him do in your career? Are you doing what you were created to do? Is it fulfilling? Is it helping other people? And what would you ask him to do in God's economy? Raising up a generation that will be warriors of grace and truth. I mean, I pray that at the end of our lives on earth, when we get to heaven, we look back and Indiana is a changed state because of God's work through all of us at Connection Point and because of the generation he's going to raise. I, he can answer that prayer. We can get to heaven and look back and be like, Wow, it is a spiritually dark world, but look at that huge lighthouse of spiritual light just beaming from the Midwest. What is that? Oh, that's God's work through Connection Point because those people pray. Let's pray for big things. Let's ask God for big things. I'll close with the same story I closed with last year. It's about a wonderful sandwich from Penn Station, the Philly cheese steak. It's a gorgeous sandwich if you've never had it. It's a magnificent sandwich. And this was back during COVID uh, when restaurants were kind of open, but all the seating was roped off that I was walking into a Penn Station to get this pre-inflation $9 sandwich. 
And as I was on my way in, a homeless man was at the door. He said, do you have any money? I said, well, I do, but I don't typically give it away, but I'll give you food. He said, okay. I said, um, do you like a Philly cheesesteak? He said, I do. I said, well, this is a gorgeous sandwich. I'm going to get you an amazing sandwich. I'll be right back, okay? So I go in. I order. It takes them five or ten minutes, you know, because they have to grill the peppers fresh and everything. They make the sandwich. I've got two of them, two of these amazing sandwiches. I walk out the door, and my homeless friend is nowhere to be found. He's not there. Now, the interesting thing was, as I had walked in, before he talked to me, I had been talking to God, saying, God, why aren't we in Hamilton County yet? This was back in 2021. Why, why aren't we in Hamilton County? When are we ever going to get there? And, and as I walk out and I realize, oh, he's gone, and I plop the two sandwiches on the passenger seat of my car, I, I sensed God saying to me, hey, John, there's a lot of Christians who have not because they ask not. And also, John, there's a lot of people who ask and then when I show up, they gave up in the waiting. I showed up and I was ready to give them, but they're nowhere to be found. So John, don't stop waiting. And I resolved, I'm going to stand at the door as long as it takes till God does a miracle. I'm not going to give up in my praying. And that's my prayer for you. Let's pray together right now. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that you would stir up faith in us and that you would stir up follow through through us. We pray, Lord, that one year from today, we will look back on another year of your faithfulness and that every brother and sister will declare from the heart, great is your faithfulness. God, I never thought you could do that in my marriage or in my career. I never thought I'd get out of debt. I never thought my life would actually help others. We never thought there'd be a, a building for Avon, a location for Avon. Lord, we just pray that you would be pleased by our faith. We trust you for the results. We trust you for the timing. We know sometimes we'll look at it and we'll say, what is it, manna? This is not what I expected, but it's food and it's good. And we just need to ingest it and believe you. So Lord, we receive your word today. We pray that it would nourish us spiritually and that we would be a people of prayer, that you would change the state of Indiana, that you would change our sons and daughters. And Lord, that starts when we surrender and let you change us. So grow us in our prayers this year, Lord. Be the banner over our year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.